Good morning. Uh, can you hear me? Good morning. Man, that is sad that you guys are asleep today. Um, I had something really good, I thought, and then you're asleep, so uh, I'm just going to talk as long as, I'm going to talk as long as I want, and I'm just <laughs> you're napping anyway, just kidding. Uh, man, good morning. So glad to be here this morning in the house of God and just to talk about um, these things um, that God has for us. So I just want to say um, real quick, happy Mother's Day. I know for um, some of you guys, it's like the best holiday in the world, and some of you guys, it's like the worst holiday in the world, and uh, I know even some people skip on Mother's Day. You're like, I just, it's painful, right? We make it that way sometimes. We bring in all the ferns and and, and try to pass all that stuff out, and I just want to say, like, um, to those of you that it is a happy Mother's Day, love you, awesome, thank you for being here, and happy Mother's Day, and to you that it's a painful experience every time you hear that word, I just want to say Jesus is for you that he loves you, that he's not lost you, he's not left you, um, that, that he's the one we need this morning, and, and, and he, he's right here with you. And uh, if it's painful and it's hard, I know for all the different reasons, right, um, it doesn't mean Jesus has turned his back on you today, and it doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't see you and love you today. And I, I just want you to know that we're for you, um, and, and Jesus is for you. And, um, and, and we are just believing the best of things um, for these days and all the days to come for you. But, uh, man, uh, good morning, and I'm so excited about reading this word with you guys today. My voice, uh, it doesn't sound like it, but this is like, this is my shouting volume today. I'm doing everything I can just to get this out. Um, sucked down all the pollen outside yesterday, so you guys are safe. Um, I took one for the team, and I ate it all, so uh, allergies should be good for the next few days. But, um, man, just so excited about what God's doing and so excited about this word. If you have your word, you can open it to Luke 5. That's where we're going to be this morning. In just a second, I'm, I'm just going to pray again. I just feel today like, man, today is the day of prayer, right? <laughs> like, like, we just need it today. And um, I, I don't care to do it 12 more times if that's what we got to do. But, man, I just I want to hear from God today, don't you? I don't want to just come in and sing some songs. I don't want to just come in and like open up the word. And I don't want to just talk. And I don't want you just to hear me talk. I want to hear something from God. See, in reality, there's no point in being here. If that's not what we're here for, if that's not who we're going to hear from, if that's not what's going to happen this morning, we could just pack it up and leave. Um, but God wants us to hear from him this morning. God has something for us this morning. And this morning, I don't want to miss it. So I'm just going to pray and you pray. Maybe, maybe you're good and you just need to pray for me or others and, and I'm going to pray for you and me. So let's just pray. Father God, this morning we need you. God, we need you. Oh Lord, how we need you. Every hour we need you. I just feel like that's, that's just the heartbeat of this morning is God, we need you. God, in reality this morning we can do the thing. God, we can sing the songs and we can play the music and we can pray the prayers and we can host the hosting and we can preach the message. But God, I don't want to get so caught up doing the thing that I miss the only thing that matters and that's you. God, I don't want to get so caught up in doing church this morning that I miss the one that we showed up today for. So God, this morning, I just pray that you just move everything else out of the way. You move all the distractions, God. You move all the obstacles, God, that you move all the plans of the enemy out of the way this morning. You move all the traps out of the way this morning, and you just pour out the Spirit of God on this place, that God, this morning, we would hear from you, hear from heaven this morning, and it would change everything for us. God, I know this morning that in my own power, I can read some scripture and I can talk about it. But God, this morning, that's not what I want. God, if all we do this morning is come in and we hear me, we've missed something big. Um, And God, this morning, I'm not willing to waste anybody's time. So God, this morning, we just need you and your power and your strength and your ability. God, we need your voice. We just pray, God, that you just move in this place. We love you and we thank you. God, we believe and expect amazing things this morning. God, we know that you're the only one that can change hearts, and we know, God, that you have the will and the ability to change every heart. God, we know you're the only one with power to save, and God, we, we know that you want to see it happen, that you want to do it. You're willing today. God, we know that you're the only one with power to heal, and God, we know that today that's in your will. You want to see that done in this place, and you want to do it. So God, this morning, we're not begging you to do anything today that you're too tired to do. We're just saying, God, today that we're receptive. If you want to do it, God, we are volunteering this morning that you do it in us. We love you and we thank you. 
It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Man, if you have your Bible, you can flip open to Luke 5. You might already be there. Um, Somebody wants to grab me another water, I will love you forever. Um, So, anyway, this morning we're going to be in Luke 5. And I just am so excited about this this morning. Uh, We're going to continue the thought from last week. Last week we talked about the fact that Jesus came to save and Jesus came to heal. That Jesus came to do both of those things. That today it's not just, thank you. Jesus came to save you and to drop you off in a chair um, kind of for all the rest of your life until the rapture happens or till you exit this place, but that Jesus actually today come to save and to heal. And that's good news for me anyway. I don't know about you, but I'm glad Jesus came to save. If not, I would be in a heap of trouble today. See, the reality of it is on my own today, I'm, I'm lost and I'm dead and I'm headed towards the wrath of God and there's not one thing I can do about it. That's, that's the reality of the condition of my heart without Jesus and it's yours too. The Bible says that we're all dead in our trespasses and sins, that every one of us are born spiritually dead. Maybe physically we have a heartbeat and we have breath in our lungs and we can kind of make it from day to day, but spiritually we, we're born dead separated from God and there's not one thing we can do about it. You can't be good enough to kind of climb up out of that. You can't say enough prayers to climb up out of that. You can't come to church enough times to climb up out of that. See, the reality of it is dead people can't do anything to make themselves live people. Aside from divine intervention, we will always be dead. But the good news today, the gospel that we've been talking about is Jesus didn't just come, right, so we could sing a bunch of songs, and Jesus didn't just come so we could gather together once or twice or three times a week and and listen to somebody talk about him. That's not what he came for. He came to save us, to make us spiritually alive, sons and daughters of God, headed towards heaven, seated in the heavens, right, and destined for good works. We talked about that a few weeks ago, but thanks be to God, he didn't just drop us off there. He didn't just come to die so we could come and do this thing. He, he went through all that stuff for something greater. He wants to save us past tense, but he also wants to save us today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. He wants to heal us from who we are. That's beautiful. See, I love that. God didn't save me and drop me off. God wants to work in me today and every single day. And that's an amazing thing. And we kind of talked about that a little bit last week about when we talked about Jesus came to save and Jesus came to heal. The story said he came to heal every kind of disease and sickness, that nothing was out of reach for God, that actually everything was under the power and ability of God. And this morning, we're going to continue that thought in Luke chapter 5. Take a drink of that and put it down. I don't want to carry that the rest of the time. Um, I, I love this story and I love the book of Luke. Luke, by the way, is one of the Gospels. It's a story of Jesus' life. So it's not a letter written to the church about how to live out our faith. It's a different kind of thing. It's a, it's a chronicle of Jesus' life. It just tells some stories, right, about what Jesus did when he was here. Most of them start somewhere around birth and they end somewhere around death. And then all that stuff in between there is just a selection of stories of things that Jesus has done. See, the reality of it is we couldn't even fit everything Jesus has done in one of these books. We'd have have libraries upon libraries if we tried to mention everything that Jesus ever did. He didn't just come to do one or two things. And Luke chapter 5 is very early in the ministry of Jesus. If you look at the beginning, it says the first disciples. In other words, Jesus is still in the process in these moments of calling his disciples. He does that kind of the first part of this chapter. He calls a few. And Anyway, we're going to kind of be in about verse 17 down today. And it says, on one of those days... Now, we don't know what one of those days is, so let's just bump it back about two verses and get some context. It says, but the news about him, him being Jesus, spread even more. It says, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. So, in other words, early in Jesus' ministry, the news about Jesus started to spread. Jesus was doing things. He was doing things nobody had ever seen. Jesus, by the way, could teach like nobody had ever taught. That's a pretty good thing if you want to hear somebody teach. Jesus didn't just teach talking about the scripture. It actually shows us that Jesus is the word of God. So he's speaking with an authority that nobody else had an authority to talk about. Jesus was the best teacher anybody would ever heard. He wasn't interpreting the word of God. He was the word of God. And the word kind of was starting to get out. Um, so people were saying, man, you've got to come hear this guy teach. There's nobody that's ever taught like this guy before. 
Jesus was walking around healing people. He could walk up to tombs where people were dead and speak into the tomb. and People could come out living out of the tomb. That's a pretty amazing thing. Jesus could walk over to people that have never walked before and just say a few words, hey, get up, take up your mat and walk, and those people would do that thing. It's a pretty amazing thing. Words started to get out. Jesus could look at people who have never seen before and just speak a few words or maybe touch their eyes, and, and their eyes would be open for the very first time. It's a pretty amazing thing. Jesus was doing things and saying things that nobody had ever done and said before, and the word started to get out. And when the word started to get out, people started to come. It's amazing. You know what didn't draw any of those people? I just side note, going to throw this in. You know what didn't draw any of those people? Oh man, you got to come where Jesus is. The band is awesome. Right? You got to come where Jesus is, man. The lights are the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Probably just candles, right? Like even if they had that, like... That wasn't the thing. You got to come where Jesus is. That building is amazing. Or, man, the crowds are really growing. That wasn't any of the stuff, was it? Word was starting to get out about what Jesus was doing. Can I just throw this in here for free this morning? It's Jesus stories that will bring people to Jesus. Church stories may get people to church for a day or two, but Jesus stories will get people to Jesus. See, the problem is we started telling church stories and relying on church stories to get people to church. We're not trying to get people to church. That's not the ultimate goal. We're trying to get them where? to Jesus so what kind of stories do we need to tell Jesus stories if people are coming if you will tell what God's doing in your life people will come looking for Jesus that's the moral to the story right like every time people are talking about what Jesus is doing in the gospels people are coming to listen to and hear Jesus and stuff's happening and it says in those days while this was going on while Jesus was speaking and crowds were coming and he was healing sicknesses it says, just a side note in 16, he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. I think that's amazing. Jesus, whose deity and humanity would remove from everything and he would pray. There's power in prayer. If Jesus, who is God, felt the need to pray, man, it's saying something to us. There's a model here that to be had, right? Like prayer is an important thing. It's a thing we often leave out or cut out. It's a thing we often throw in last moment before we eat or kind of do at the last minute of the day. But it says Jesus would intentionally get away from everything and pray. If Jesus felt the need to pray, church, we got to pray. Um, but it says in 17, on one of those days while he was teaching, on one of those days when the crowds were coming and the sick were gathering and Jesus was healing people, um, Jesus was teaching. He came to teach. He didn't come in like that priority number one, but that was something Jesus did. And it says, while he was teaching Pharisees, which are religious leaders and teachers of the day, they're talking about scribes specifically in this moment, teachers of the law, people that would sit around and write what we know as the Old Testament over and over and over and over again, experts in the law. Those people, these religious leaders, were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea. These Pharisees and these scribes had amassed to come hear Jesus teach. I just want to say, every time these people are in the story, they're not the hero of the story. Every time we get religious people mentioned in the gospel, it's probably not a good thing. I don't know why we'd ever want to be religious people. We think we'd learn our lesson, but, you know, whatever. Um, but it says that the Pharisees and the scribes were were sitting there, and they had come from every village, that's a lot of villages, from Galilee, which is this region in northern Israel, and Judea, which is the region in southern Israel, and also from Jerusalem, right, the city of God. And it says, just side note here, as these people were sitting there listening to Jesus teach, and the Lord's power to heal was in him. Lord's power to heal was in Jesus. It almost feels out of context, right? Like Luke's just setting us up for something here in this moment. Like we have a story in one of those days, Jesus was teaching and he was healing people and the, and the Pharisees and the scribes, they'd come and they'd come to listen, not because they think Jesus is the most amazing teacher in the world, but because they're trying to get rid of Jesus. See, to the Pharisees and the scribes, Jesus is just some carpenter who doesn't have any business doing what really is their place to be doing. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have this tendency to, towards jealousy, don't we? Like when people have more than us, something we think we deserve, we kind of, uh, we, we're not really happy about that a lot of times. Like maybe somebody gets a promotion at work, are you like super pumped about that or are you thinking that should have been my promotion? 
right? I'm just trying to give you the heart of the Pharisees. Or maybe your, your best friend gets a new car and immediately you're like, man, I really want a new car, right? Anybody with me? Is that just me? Is that just me? We tend towards jealousy. We have jealous hearts. And the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, all these religious leaders, see this man, Jesus, who he didn't go to Pharisee school. He was just some carpenter kid from who knows where, right? Who rolled up on the block and all of a sudden he can do things that they honestly wish they could do. And he can teach in a way that they honestly wish they could teach. And he's drawing crowds like they've never seen before. And they're not super thrilled about what God's doing in Jesus. They're a little frustrated God's not doing it in them. So they're sitting here and they're listening to Jesus, not trying to learn, but trying to trap him, take him down. And Luke just wants us to know what's about to happen in the story. He says, um, the Lord's power to heal was in Jesus. It's about to get good, is what Luke's saying. In 18, it says, just then some men came, some guys We don't know their names, we don't get their names, we don't know their occupation, we don't know their hobbies, we don't know their likes. They're just some guys, pretty insignificant maybe to the story, um, but significant things are going to happen. And it says they were carrying on a stretcher or a, a mat a man who was paralyzed. So Jesus is teaching, scribes and the Pharisees sitting there, and here come some men. Men who'd no doubt heard stories about how Jesus could teach like nobody's ever taught before, but even greater than that, heard stories about how Jesus can speak to people who've never walked before, and miraculously they get it up. And it clicks in their brain somewhere along the line. We got a friend who, they can't walk. They're actually on a stretcher to get anywhere, and Jesus is close. So they go grab their friend and they bring him on the stretcher because it says this man was paralyzed. I think we got the definition for paralyzed. I think we probably have a pretty easy working definition, but I just want you to see it. Paralyzed is that we are partly or wholly incapable of movement. We, in some way, shape, or form, can't do it on our own, right? We're paralyzed, partly or wholly. I don't know if this guy had working arms he could have been all the way out but at least he didn't have working legs because they were carrying him and it says they tried to bring him in and set him down before Jesus now there's a key word here and that's in Jesus is in a building of some kind we don't know what kind of building that is we don't know how big that is we don't know what the square footage on that is we don't know if it's a mega church or a tiny church we don't know if it's a synagogue or a house we don't know But Jesus is in something and these men are coming and they're bringing their friend and they're trying to get their friend in the door because they want to bring this man and they want to set him close to Jesus because they've heard stories, Jesus heals people. So it says they try to bring him in and set him down before Jesus. It says in 19, since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof. I just want to say this most of us would have probably turned around at the door right obstacle done i did my deed i carried my friend you know like uh sorry brother you're just gonna be paralyzed let's go back home like we we tried we did the thing we we carried you we went through a lot of work to get you here but we just can't get you in sorry see jesus was a popular man Jesus could do things like nobody had ever done before, and Jesus was teaching in a building, and the building, I would imagine, by what's said on the text, was pretty full. If you can't get in the building and you still want to hear Jesus, what do you do? Gather as close to the door as you can, because you want to see, right? Like, maybe if you can't get in, maybe you can still, like, look over somebody's head sitting down, you can see Jesus over there, you can kind of hear, so you can imagine, like, the building is full, and then the doorway's full, and probably up until the area where you can't hear anymore outside of the door, it's full, maybe even beyond that, because eventually Jesus is going to have to leave the building, and maybe, just maybe, you can see Jesus when he leaves. So these men bring him, and they, they got there late, apparently, they're good, good uh, church people, they got there late. And they couldn't get in to get him in front of Jesus. So they do the obvious thing. They just carry him back home, right? 
No, it says in 19, they couldn't find a way to bring him in because of the crowd. So they did something crazy. They went up on the roof. Logical. Right? Wouldn't it be awesome next Sunday? We just can't get enough people in. We just put a ladder up and they just get on the roof. That'd be awesome. Uh, I don't know if you can hear up there. I've never did church up there, but you never know. So they, anyway, they carry this man up on the roof, a paralyzed man. A man who can't help climb up on the roof. Right, we've already carried him all the way there from who knows where. Maybe it's that town, maybe it's another town. Who knows? They've worked hard. They could have been like, you know what, we tried and went back home. Nobody would have blamed them. But they didn't come just hoping maybe that Jesus, they believed Jesus would do something. So they went the extra mile, right, and they get up on the roof. I don't even know how all this would have worked out. I don't know. Maybe there were steps. Who knows? Maybe there was a ladder. Who knows? Either way, they got this guy up on the roof, and it says, they went up on the roof, and they lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles in the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Now, this tames it, right? You're like, oh, cool. Um, I don't think this building had like a skylight before these guys went up on the roof. There wasn't like a little hole where it was like Jesus picked this building because he wanted them to just drop people down through the roof. Like that's not what was going on. These people went up on the roof and, and they started ripping tile off the roof so they could get their friend in. Can you imagine the guy owns the house? Like what are you doing up on, you know, like this is a crazy thing. These, these guys go up on the roof and they start ripping tile off. There's two options. One is it's like a little clay tile roof. That's probably what it actually is. Or the second option is that it's like a little um, maybe hay roof. And the, but it says tiles, doesn't it? Probably not easy work. Like if it's hay, like poke a hole in it, do this thing, and there, there you go. They're like ripping the roof off. They're doing some like construction demolition work up here on the roof to get their friend down. And it says they lower the guy down on, on a stretcher through the roof tiles in the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Look at the work these men went through to get their friend to Jesus. It wasn't just like, hey, brother, when you get up and walk, you should, you should come to church sometime. I hope you hear that. See, these men, I don't know about the guy on the stretcher. We don't get much about him other than what's about to happen to him. We don't really know much about him. These men had a little bit of faith Jesus was going to do something because they went to great lengths to get their friend before Jesus. It wasn't like, hey, you should come to church or, um, hey, if you're not doing anything in three weeks on Sunday, you should make plans. Like These men like did everything in their power to get this friend before Jesus because they believed that, that Jesus could do something about it. I just want to say, like, do you believe Jesus can heal to the point that, that you are, are working that hard to get people that need healing in front of him? Anybody have friends, you don't have to raise your hand, that, that need healing, that need salvation, need hope, need something? And then are you working this hard to get those people in, in front of Jesus? Or are you like, ah, there was a roadblock, sorry. They told me no, sorry. They're too busy, sorry. They might get offended, Sorry. These, these people are going the extra mile here because they believe Jesus can heal and they see the need of their friend and they're leveraging all the resources they got to get him there. So they go up on the roof, they rip the tiles off, they lower the guy down, put him right in the middle of the crowd before Jesus. And this is what it says in 20. Seeing their faith... He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. I love this. Whose faith did Jesus see? Theirs, right? Maybe, maybe it is the guy on the mat. Maybe the guy on the mat has some faith. But the guy on the mat is one person. That's singular, seeing his faith, right? But that's not how it reads, is it? Seeing their faith. Whose faith did he see? It was the friend's faith that Jesus saw. Can I just say, you got friends and maybe those friends don't have any faith, but if you'll just throw your faith towards Jesus and put your life in motion to get them in front of the healer, man, God will do something. 
Maybe they have to borrow your faith for a while. Maybe they have to kind of pull a little bit of your faith for a while. Maybe they have to ride your faith coattails for a while. But I just want to say, like, if you can get those people before Jesus, Jesus can do a thing. And maybe the reason we're not working hard to get people before Jesus is not a problem with how many people are standing in the way or what kind of obstacles there may be. Maybe it's just we don't have that kind of faith. If I get them here, God will do something. See, in reality, these men didn't go through all the trouble thinking if we get in before Jesus, Jesus might do a thing. They thought if we get in before Jesus, I know Jesus will do a thing. Can I just say that? Maybe, maybe it's to, to you. Maybe it's your family or maybe it's your friends or maybe it's your acquaintances or maybe it's your coworkers. If you can get them before Jesus, do you believe Jesus might do a thing or he will do a thing? And I believe that makes all the difference in the world. That's the difference in I'll climb up on the roof and rip the towels off versus I'll invite somebody or drop a card on the desk. But it says Jesus saw their faith, at least the faith of the friends, maybe the guy on the mat. And this was Jesus' response. Friend, singular, your sins are forgiven. He saw the faith of the friends, but what did he do? He forgave the man on the mat. That to me is amazing. I know that we read this and don't we kind of feel like this is the anticlimactic moment of the story? We're like, Jesus, that's not what he came for. He's obviously a paralyzed man, Jesus. He's on a mat. Like, how did you not get that? Like, he's laying there. He can't move his arms. He can't move his legs. He didn't walk up in here, obviously, to get sins forgiven. He was lowered down in here to be healed. Do you ever read that and think that's not what he was trying to do? I do. I'm just going to be honest. I read that and I'm like, Jesus, that's obviously not what this guy was here for. You, you, you can lie to me. It's fine. You don't have to agree uh, or respond. It's fine. I know you do. Um, you, you read that and you think this is the anticlimactic moment of the story because so do I. I just say to you, this is the greatest moment of the story. This is the thing right here. Nothing else matters except for this thing. Like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. Maybe the man could have went to the doctor and got the legs fixed, right? There's other people that have the ability to heal. There, I'll just be honest with you. There's other ways that we can be healed. For some of you guys, other ways you can be healed, you go talk to somebody once a week. I'm not knocking that. Some of us need it. Okay, I probably need it. You've met me. Some of us, you know, like, I'm not saying, like, oh, don't ever go to the doctor. That would be dumb. You know why? Because Jesus made people smart enough to figure out how to heal the body that'd be dumb to never go to a doctor it's not like oh we only pray we don't go no don't do that that's not going to work out well for you probably because maybe what jesus is saying is i sent you help he's right there in that office if you'll go over there that's going to be the thing right it's like praying god will save you from drowning when you're surrounded by floats oh i can't touch the float because that maybe is not god working there's a float right like there's other people that have the ability to, to heal physically, right? There's other people that can help us out. There's other people around us that maybe can, can do some things that will put us in a, in, a, in a right direction. But there is nobody else in the universe who has the power to forgive sins. There's not one person. And see, here's what I know, and here's what I hope we know. I can go into eternity paralyzed, but I cannot go into eternity under the power of my sin. I can go in to the, in, into eternity kind of weighed down in struggles. I can do that. I can go into eternity with a broken heart. I can do that. I can go into eternity weighed down by sin and shame and guilt. I can do that. But here's the thing. I can't go into eternity condemned. So Jesus looks at this man and he says the most amazing thing that anyone could ever say to us. He says... Friend, your sins are forgiven. Your, your sins are forgiven. Done, finished. We don't have to worry about that anymore. And in 21, it says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason or began to think among themselves and in their hearts. Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? The definition of blasphemies should be over there. coming there it is 
It's really small. A blasphemy is the act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for God. To be accused of blasphemy is the act of claiming the attributes of a deity. In other words, to be able to say things like your sins are forgiven. Who is this man who says he can forgive sins? Who is this man who's claiming to be God? See, it all rests on this question. Who can forgive sins but God alone? In the, in the next sentence, they answer their question, don't they? See, in reality, when they saw Jesus, they didn't see, they, they didn't see the Son of God. They didn't see the Messiah. They didn't see the Savior. They saw a carpenter who had no business doing what should be their role to do. So when this man lowered down through the roof, it was kind of the final straw, right? We don't like the fact that Jesus is teaching, but we really can't keep him from teaching. We don't like the fact that Jesus is healing people, but we can't keep him from healing people. But there's no way that he can say that he can forgive sins. How are you, you going to do that? How can, how can this man say that he can forgive sins? And in 22, it says that Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, replied to them, Why are you reasoning this in your hearts? In other words, Jesus sees what they're thinking. He says, why are you thinking that? In 23, which is easier to say? What's easier? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Now, which one's harder to do is a different question, right? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. Like maybe there's somebody medically who will advance and have the knowledge to be able to eventually make legs that have never worked before work. That, that's maybe coming. I'll be honest. We can do amazing things with medicine today. So it's, it's maybe coming. But there's only one person who can say your sins are forgiven. So Jesus just asks, he says, which one's harder to say? Your sins are forgiven. Well, how, how does anybody know? Right? Can anybody check that? Is there a blood test for that that I don't know about? Like, you just prick your finger and do the little thing and they run it through a machine? Oh, yeah, sins are forgiven. I don't know of that test yet. I hope we get it one day, right? Check some of you got. No, I'm just kidding. Um, That's easy to say. But see, it's hard to say, hey, your legs are going to work. Because if they don't, I'm obviously wrong. There, there's proof in that, right? Like I can, I can visibly watch and see if that I have the ability to do that or not. And he says, which one's easier to say? Because I could say either. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? And he says in 24, but so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Here's kind of the moment, right? So the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, this is me speaking, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. Jesus says, oh, I get that you, you don't believe that I have the ability to do that. I, I get you see me as a carpenter. I get you think that I shouldn't be here and that I'm, I shouldn't be teaching. You're, you're frustrated by the idea that I can even heal people and you've seen me do it. Um, I, I get that. But so that you know that I have the power to forgive sins, I'm, I'm going to show you something amazing today. Um, hey, hey, guy. Um, I want you to get up. I want you to roll up that stretcher because you don't need it anymore. And I want you to go home. And what's amazing is the guy, the guy did it. Right? <laughs> His friends had to carry him there, carry him to the roof, rip off the tiles and put him down through the roof. And Jesus just says a couple words, get up. Roll up the mat and go home. And he gets up. He rolls up the mat and he goes home. Says, you know, praising God the whole way there. That was just some extra the guy decided to throw in because that's what you do when people heal you. Um, 
And you look at that and you're like, man, that, that's amazing. Can I just say today that Jesus saves? That's what he came for. Object A on the agenda when Jesus left heaven to come down to this place, he, he came to save people, right? That's, I, I don't know why we can't amen that stronger. Like, that's just reality today. When Jesus left heaven, he came down to save people. That's, that's what he came for. Amen. Thanks, thank God. Yeah. Right? Like, without that, I don't, I don't have any hope. It doesn't matter if my legs work if I'm going to hell. I'll just be honest. Yeah. Doesn't matter if my life's falling apart if I'm going to hell. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if I can't see or I can't hear or I can't move my arms or my legs. It doesn't matter if my legs, legs, lungs work the right way. It doesn't matter if I have all my kidneys. None of that matters, right? If I'm going to hell, none of that matters. Because this is temporary and it's short and there's an eternity coming and there's no end to that. And, and, and I can deal with 15, 20, 30, 80 years of maybe not everything awesome here if I'm going into eternity. Like the longer part, right? with God and everything's going to be good there's going to be no leg issues there so I mean I can be paralyzed here I'm going to walk longer in the long run right I can I can I can maybe not see here I'm going to I'm going to see more clearly in the long run like I can I can deal with that but I just want you to know like Jesus came to save but the proof of that salvation in our lives is what he does in the today, right? The, the healing. Jesus didn't just come, like we talked about at the beginning, to save us. And, and we come down here and say this prayer, and then we just get up and do the church thing. That's, that's not what he had intended for our hearts when he, when he came for us. He came to save, but then he came to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He came to save, and then he came to heal. Like, we say a prayer, and we get up, and we're forgiven of our sins, and we're headed towards heaven, but there's a lot of stuff in us that we carry with us every single day, and Jesus wants to do something about that, too. And what I know is that he, he does that. You know why? Because, man, it's something to say, oh, my sins are forgiven. It's a different thing to see, man, God is healing me today, and he's going to heal me tomorrow. He's going to heal me the next day. He's going to heal me the next day. See, our God came to do both things, right? He came to save us. Eternity is open to us. We're going somewhere amazing when we leave this place, but he also didn't just drop us off to wallow around in our sin and our shame and our guilt. He, he didn't drop us off to wallow around in worthlessness feeling like he didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't come to drop us off so we had to deal with all these things and all these traps and all these heartaches. And he didn't come to just drop us off so we had to deal and struggle with all these things forever until we leave this place. He came to do something in our life. He came to heal us. He came to save us and, and to heal us. God didn't just work in us one time back then. He wants to work in us today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And I believe that he does that. You know why? Because that's what people are going to notice right? Like, it's an amazing thing to tell your friend, you know what, I'm going to go into eternity with God. It's an amazing thing to tell them that. That's, that's a Jesus story. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm going to shout that story for the rest of my life. But I also want people to know that, man, I don't deal with what I dealt with yesterday because Jesus is healing me today. People need to see that God restores people. People need to see that God changes us from shame in, into freedom. He needs, he, they need to see that. They need to see that maybe we will struggle and maybe we will fight with ourselves for a while, but that God's still doing work in us today. People need to know that. Because which is easier to say, right? Which is easier to say, oh, my sins are forgiven? Or look at my life and see what God's doing in it. Which is easier to say, oh, I said that prayer one time and I'm going to heaven. Or man, look at where I was last year. But look at through the grace of God where I am today. See, God came to save and to heal. And what I know today is that, that God still heals people today, right? That's just reality today. That's part of the agenda today. He came to save us, yes, so that we could say a prayer and we could walk in faith that, that when this thing ends, we're going to heaven. But he came to make today better and tomorrow better and the next day better and the next day better. He came to do those things. Amen, hallelujah. I don't know why we're not with this. Like, he came to do those things. 
And today, we don't have to just wallow around in defeat. We can step towards victory in God. We don't have to just kind of be like, man, it's over. I'm going to have to wear this for the rest of my life. We can step out in hope and faith that God is and wants to do something today in us. He wants to enact some healing in us in these moments. He wants to take us from sinful, and he wants to move us into forgiven and free. I just say, some of us feel like we just need to give up on the whole, I don't have to live under whatever X is, right? Anybody have the X, right? Like you're like, there's a thing in my life that I deal with and I don't want you to know about. And it, it causes enormous guilt in my life and it causes enormous shame in my life. And it's sin. It is sin. And maybe you've battled it for weeks. But more than likely, you've battled it for years. And God today saying, give it to me again. And then tomorrow, give it to me again. Because you're going to fight it tomorrow. And then the next day, give it to me again. And the next day, give it to me again. And the next day, give it to me again. And the next day, give it to me again. Until I erase the whole thing or until you go into eternity and you're separated from it, I need you to give it to me every single day because here's the thing. I want to work in you every single day. I don't want to work in you back then 20 years ago. I want to work in you now and tomorrow and the next day. Some of you have some source of hurt in your life, and you've been, you've been dealing with it. I don't know if it's some hurt you did to you or some hurt that somebody did to you. And I just want you to know today, God wants you to walk outside of that hurt. Maybe the hurt will always be there. You can't go change the past, but you can be above the hurt, right? And you can have a different perspective on the hurt. And it's not, I'm trapped in this hurt anymore. It's, I can see that all things work together for the good of those that love God. And here is an enormous hurt, but there's an enormous story for his glory that's going to come out of the hurt. I can live above the hurt. I can have a different perspective. And every day as I continue to give that to God and I continue to say to God, God, forgive me for the hurt I've caused me or forgive them for the hurt they've caused me that I can live up out of that hurt. And you can heal me. Right? We can continue story after story. Right? Some of you guys, maybe you, you grew up and people told you you're not worth anything. Right? You, you, maybe you heard that like actual words come out or you just saw it displayed over and over and over again in the lives of the people that were supposed to love you. Yeah? Well, what does God say about you? He says that you're worth dying for. He says that you're worth emptying the vaults of heaven for. He gave the most precious thing he had for you, which is Jesus Christ, which says you're worthy. You don't get to decide that. He gets to decide that. And maybe what you have to do every day until you start believing it is walking in before God and saying, I don't feel worth anything, but I know you say I'm worth everything, and I need you to heal me from this hurt. I need you to heal me into I'm worth something. I need you to show me what you say about me, not what they say about me. I need you to heal me. And eventually you're going to start walking in belief that you're worth something to somebody. Maybe it's not the people that, that maybe should have been those people in your life, but there's somebody that breathed you and fearfully and wonderfully made you, that created you specifically with your personality and your eye color and your heartbeat and your wrinkles, right? Like everything about you, he put them on you. And that man loves you enough that he gave his life for you. And he wants to heal you today. We can go, right? We can, we can keep going addiction. We can, we can go pain. We can, we can go to any of these things. And what I want to say to you today is nothing's out of the realm of possibility Amen. with God. Last week we read and it said that Jesus heals all kinds of diseases and sickness. And basically what it means is there's nothing he can't heal today. There's nothing he can't take today. I just want to encourage you. Some of you guys are going to pray a prayer and you're going to think that in that moment God's going to take that thing and you're never going to deal with it again. But maybe you've been living in it for 30 years. Give the guy more than 30 seconds. We've done a lot of damage. And if it took us 30 years to get in this mess, it may take us 30 years to get out of it. But praise be to God that he's a healer. And he'll take us out of it. You know why? Because it's easy to say your sins are forgiven. It's hard to say you could heal me from this. But so that people will believe part A, God will do part B in your life. So that people can see God does have the ability to save people from their sins. God will heal you from whatever that thing is. Here, it'll get better. It may not be fixed, but it'll get better. 
And there it'll be obliterated in the light of his glory. Sin, man, we may walk in it less and less every day. But one day it's gone. Shame and guilt. We may walk under the weight of it, and it may be less weight every single day, but one day we're going to step out of this place into that place, and there will be no more shame. And there will be no more guilt. It will be obliterated in the light of his glory. But praise be to God, we don't have to wait till we get there. He wants to work today in us and through us. It says in 25, immediately he got up before them and he picked up what he'd been lying on and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded and they were giving glory to God and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. And it's an amazing thing that God forgives sin. That's the headline to the story today. I don't want to miss that. See, the reality of it is physical healing, what God can do in our lives, will never be bigger than the fact that God can save us. And there's no healing that's going to come without first salvation. There's no healing that's going to last. There's no healing that's going to matter. There's no healing that's going to do much of anything that doesn't first start with God saving our souls. See, the reality of it is God knows just as much as I know. I can go into eternity with zero legs, but I can't go into eternity without the love and forgiveness of a Savior. Some of you guys are carrying enormous, enormous hurt. And you've never given your life to Jesus. You just don't know if you can trust anybody. I just want to say, one, um, you can trust him. Our word says that he will never leave you or forsake you, right? It's in, in the thing. You've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Maybe your family hurt you, but here's a God that sticks closer than the family. And today, I just want you to know you can trust him. You can borrow my faith. You don't even have to have it, right, today. You can, you can just believe because I've seen it. And if you'll give it to him, he, he will save you and he'll never leave you, but he'll also heal you. He'll begin that process of removing some of that hurt and some of that sin and some of that shame and some of that guilt if you'll let him. But I just want to speak to another group of people in the room today who maybe have received salvation, but you're still living paralyzed. You're still living under the weight of whatever that thing is, whatever X is, whatever you need that healing from. You're still living under the weight of that and it's causing you to lie flat on your mat. You can come to church on a mat, by the way. You can get in the door on the mat. You can come through the roof on the mat. You can sing the songs on the mat. You can wear the Jesus t-shirts on the mat. You can listen to the Christian radio on the mat. You can give extravagantly on the mat, but you'll never live an abundant life on the mat. See, God come and he said, man, I come to bring you life and life more abundant. You can't live life more abundant paralyzed by hurt. You can't live life more abundant paralyzed by sin and shame and guilt. You can't live in the life more abundant paralyzed by all these things. But thanks be to God, we got somebody who can say to the paralytic today, to somebody who cannot move without assistance, get up and roll up the mat and chuck it in the garbage can because you don't have to be paralyzed anymore. Get up and walk. You got that guy in the room today. And today, he's willing and he wants to do something about it. He wants to say to legs that have never walked, get up today. He wants to say to eyes that have never seen, open up today. He wants to say to ears that have never heard, hey, listen into this today. He wants to say to the hearts that have never beat before, oh, why don't you start with me today? He wants to say the lungs that have never breathed today, why don't you suck in some life today and breathe in some oxygen today? Because the Savior is here and the healer is here and all you got to do is get close.
All you got to do is come on. All you got to do is get some proximity. You can't maybe get off the mat outside of the room today. And you can't maybe get off the mat in the back of the crowd today. But if you get some proximity, if you come close to Jesus, nothing is out of the realm of possibility today. Some of you guys carry so much hurt and God's saying, I can take every bit of it. It's what I do. Some of you guys carry so much sin today and you're like, I just can't win and I've give up on trying. And he's saying, you know what? I defeated every ounce of sin on the cross and you just got to get close enough to see it today. There's not sin left on me and there's not shame left on me and there's not guilt left on me and there's not even death left on me. I went through it all and I put it in the tomb for you, but I came out. It's still in the tomb, but there's an empty tomb today or at least vacant, right? All your sin is there, but my body is not. And today, if you want healing, you just need some proximity. You just need to draw close. You just need to get close enough where you can fix your eyes on this and you can see. Can I say proximity is not walking in the room today. Proximity is seeing and loving God and throwing your life at it. Proximity is not, I changed my radio station today. Those are deeds, right? That's horizontal fixes to a vertical problem. See, the reality of it is you can be the most religious person in this room and you can still be paralyzed laying on a mat because you can fix all the horizontal problems in your life just like doctors can fix broken legs. You can fix all the horizontal things in your life, but you'll never get off that mat wearing the church clothes and you'll never get off that mat switching the radio station. You will never get off that mat simply just coming in this building. If you want to get off that mat, you got to get right in front of Jesus. close enough to see and in that moment in that closeness in that proximity in, in, in that closeness to God that's when the healing begins Amen. see the problem is all of our infirmities usually the enemy will use to send us away from God what happened to Adam when he ate the fruit he hid shame guilt hurt things aren't going right what's the first thing we do run get out of church so mad at you God you just make a bigger mess and God's calling you close today you want to experience life and life more abundant you only do it at the feet of Jesus.